0: With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com.
1: Hello again, everyone. Welcome into another episode of SB Nation's Finsider Radio, aka The Jake and Josh Show. I am your host, Josh Houts. You can follow me on Twitter at Houts, H-O-U-T-Z, and I am joined by the greatest co-host in the world, the man whose internet is finally working. His power is finally on, the one the only Jake Mendel. You can follow him on Twitter at J-M-E-N-D-E-L-94. Lots to talk about today, but first, Jake, How's it going today, man?
2: I could not be happier to have the internet back, let me tell you that. Or Even better having the power back, especially after last week, having uh, internet issues then too. So we've been on shaky ground, but here we go, Josh. The Dolphins, they weren't on shaky ground, let me tell you. Albert Breer uh, writes for the Sports Illustrated, a big insider. Uh, He does the Monday morning quarterback now. He dropped some Dolphins nuggets about how smooth of an operator Chris Greer was uh, wheeling and dealing last week. I'm just going to read a quote out of this because Breer described it the best, uh, probably better than I could. Uh, quote, and Miami needed a partner that would keep the talks in confidence, talking about the draft uh, the draft pick trade. So Breer called the Eagles, who own the sixth pick, a little more than two weeks ago to ask if they would be interested in moving back to 12, the deal with the 49ers went through. That is incredible foresight that this was something happening uh, nearly a month ago that the, the dominoes started to fall. Uh, Philly said yes, and the Dolphins told the Eagles they'd circle back. Uh, no eagle pun intended there. Maybe there is. Who knows? Then uh, Greer and Eagles GM Howie Roseman chipped away at the parameters of a second round, uh, second order trade. Excuse me. And Josh, that that's just the craziest thing that happened here is the fact nobody said anything. Nothing leaked while you know these two trades went down.
1: Yeah, I think if you read this article, he actually sits there and says, you know, like, as we expected or as we kind of foresaw, no one saw this coming. And, I mean, it's just another testament to the how different this regime is now in Miami. You know, things do not leak out, and if they do, there's a reason for it. I love this trade we talked about in the last podcast, but to hear, you know, that the Dolphins or that just these teams believe that their first four picks could be quarterback, and then to think that the Bengals, in this article, it then says that the Bengals, you know— uh Joe Burrow is actually, you know, pounding the table trying to get Jamar Chase there in Cincinnati. So, Jake, the Dolphins could trade back to six and now be faced with P. Nye Sewell, Devontae Smith, Kyle Pitts, and then maybe even a trade down for a team that, you know, might love Mac Jones. I mean, this is an awesome situation for the Dolphins to be in. And it was just nice to see a little bit of that, you know, inside story between how this whole thing went down.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I'm starting to get the feeling, too, that just like the uh, Burrow-Chase-LSU connection is coming more and more to uh, center stage, I'm starting to feel the same way about uh, Devonta Smith and uh, Tua Tagovailoa reuniting with the Miami Dolphins. It seems like there were a couple things, you know, reading on Twitter that Miami is kind of locked in on Smith, Josh. Is that kind of what you've been seeing too?
1: I do believe that's what um, we continue to hear. And I think, you know, we talked about in the last podcast, I think Pro Football Network, I believe, you know, Ben Albright talked about it earlier in the year about putting Smith and pencil to Miami. I think Tony Pauline then came out with a report that, you know, the Dolphins like, Smith or Waddle, I think they like either of those Alabama receivers. You know, you don't really necessarily need to bring in one of these playmakers that, you know, has the chemistry with Tua Valoa, but it sure doesn't hurt, Jake, after what we saw last year. You know, with him... having a receiving core that, let's face it, didn't have the same skill sets that he had in college and we saw the struggles there, so it's nice to get some familiarity here, but for anyone to sit here and say, you know, we're not even again in the the month of April yet, to sit here and say that the Dolphins are, you know, focused in on Devontae Smith or or this guy or that guy, you know, maybe that means we should be focused our attention elsewhere, but, um, you know, from day one I think, you know, after that National Championship game, I think we came on here and both of us were pretty damn excited about what Devontae Smith could do for the Dolphins, so while my heart still remains there, I mean, I don't think either of us would be upset if they went with kyle pitts jamar chase or even soul there at six so lots of options and again who knows maybe you know the panthers might want to jump up ahead of a team that could be trying to get up there for a quarterback i mean this is just wheeling and dealing and again it just it's so nice to be the dolphins to be in this situation and we talked about a little bit in the last podcast jake but i don't know if you see but people are still a little bit up in arms about this trade and, and trying to find you know flaws in it from the dolphins perspective and i just don't get it or see it
2: I think something worth noting is the fact. I think someone at Pro Football Network had, um, if the Dolphins were at three, it was going to be Jamar Chase. I think. I think it might have been Albright or what. Uh, one of them said that. I, I don't want to stick it to either of their names. Uh, but moving back definitely changes things. You have to either assume that you know Chase is going to go five. And Josh, it, it's kind of a. No risk, no reward type trade because nothing really changes for the Dolphins. If it happens to go four straight quarterbacks, of course, I think the Falcons might be a little bit of a wild card there uh, and switch things up. But for the sake of what the Miami Dolphins are trying to do, and that's, you know, put weapons around Tua, drafting at three, drafting at six, you're still getting one of those top tier guys when you're down at 12, and you're you know, playing the let-the-board ball game, it could work, no doubt about it, but I, I think you know, at some point you really have to uh, invest those picks and, and use something to get some one of these top-tier players who should come into the league and really light it up right away. We're starting to see more and more uh, first-year wide receivers really start to make the leap. Uh, in Minnesota, Justin Jefferson is the prime example of that. I'm not saying everyone's going to be like that, but you, it seems like wide receivers are starting to trend in that direction. So I think the Dolphins feel that if they took either a, a Chase uh, or a Smith, depending on how the board fell, that one of them is going to come in and be an instant game changer. And, and Josh, one of the biggest things uh, for me wasn't necessarily the two trades. I know that a lot of people are getting stuck up on that. The fact that Miami Dolphins wanted to move back to, up to six, uh, which I'm still, you know, 100% on board for. Uh, but why? Why now, Josh? This was a trade that, you know, for the sake of the discussion, actually started you know, going down about a month ago at at the end of February. And here we are, and and I remember writing the stories last week saying, why are they doing it now? You know, these are the days you see on draft night. You probably think the Dolphins could have squeezed a little more out of both these trades in terms of second-round picks or third-round picks or pick swaps, whatever it may be. Uh, But then this came out, and it started to have things make a little more sense. Peter King added this to Breer's commentary saying, Knowing how smart of a personnel guy Chris Greer is, it would not surprise me now knowing he was in position to get a great receiver if he tried to move on from one of his wideouts, maybe even Devontae Parker. And this is, this is, you know, I don't want to be that guy, but this is something I thought about after a show last week. I, I'm not necessarily sure why it might've had to do with the Jordan Phillips prediction, but you kind of have this idea going around that the Miami Dolphins up the third step ahead. They're trying to, uh, you know, throw the league off with these curveballs. Uh, they're trying to do the Belichick idea of, of get rid of a guy too a uh, year too early instead of a year too late. Josh, could getting rid of or, you know, moving Devontae Parker be something in the Miami Dolphins' future before the draft?
1: I mean, we're slowly starting to hear about it, aren't we, Jake? And, I mean, this stuff happens every year around this time. You don't know what's smoke, what's mirrors. You know, you don't know your head from your, your toes. But could the Dolphins trade Devontae Parker? I mean, again, this goes to the Dolphins' regime and just they could do anything that we think – Anything that we think they might do, they might do the opposite. So, you know, some people are sitting here saying they might trade Devontae Parker. I'd be okay with that, depending on what that return was. But you're saving, I think you have here, roughly $4 million for the guy who's arguably been your most consistent and, let's face it, dominant wide receiver that you had. So, um, you know, for a team who we're sitting here talking about how desperate the Dolphins are to bring in weapons and how Tua needs to play better next season. But in order to do so, you know, we need to surround him with this supporting cast to get rid of arguably your most dominant receiver. That, to me... Um, you know, I, I don't understand it. And, you know, when you look at his contract compared to what some of those top tier receivers are, I mean, even when you compare it to what Kenny Galladay just made on the open market, I mean, right. yes, receivers aren't making the same. And maybe, again, and that has a testament to just how good this draft class is. Because, you know, we sat here and we talked about what the Dolphins could do at six. We're not even discussing just how deep this draft class is a receiver and at some of these other positions. So, by all accounts, they could go after a soul and wait to get their receiver. But, um, you know, just to bring this all back, I do not understand why you'd want to get rid of Devontae Parker. Because, again, he has been undoubtedly the Dolphins' most consistent receiver 63 catches last year 793 yards he only had four touchdowns but that was a year after his 1202 yard season and nine touchdowns so this is a guy who you know you're still can't really rely on because of the injuries and maybe that is why Dolphin fans want to get rid of him you know you can't really rely on a Devontae Parker just like you can't rely on a lot of these receivers but unless you get an offer that you just cannot refuse I would not move on from Devontae Parker not this offseason
2: uh you mentioned the 2019 season and that was the one time in Parker's career where he played in all 16 games Uh, His 1,200 yards, he actually led the league in receiving yards. And last year, we saw those numbers dip quite a bit, and injuries certainly played a role in that. Being, you know, a lot of the time the only weapon the Miami Dolphins had out there, that, you know, hurt a lot of the time. Uh, Finishing the year with uh, 103 targets, so with 63 uh, receptions. Uh, Josh, I'm kind of open to this. Deal, but it does kind of seem like the Xavier Howard conversations of last year, where it's we're making moves for the sake of making moves. Obviously, the Dolphins drafted a cornerback uh, high, so you know they can get rid of Xavier Howard. That's obviously their plan. Even though we're starting to hear more and more of that it's it's quite the opposite in how big of a role Howard has on this team. Uh, trading Parker still leaves you about you know two two million dollars, excuse me, over the salary cap, so you still need to find more money. Uh, Josh, I want to ask you: Is this Parker conversation, is this even, for the sake of this rumor, I mean, we have nothing, to, no reason to believe this is true. This is the first we're hearing of it. Uh, but would this be a conversation we'd be having if the salary cap, you know, quote-unquote, was more normal, uh, where they would be kind of $10, $12 million under the cap right now compared to being, I believe there's $6 million over the cap right now after you include uh, draft picks.
1: Yeah, that definitely has to play a factor. And again, I just think that we sit here and we look at this loaded receiving core. And, you know, you might want to get rid of different guys, but I think you could cut some salary, like we mentioned in previous podcasts with the Jakeem Grant and Alan Hearns, you know, uh, Albert Wilson. There are other ways to get money. Than to get rid of a Devontae Parker. But again, if someone comes calling, why not make that trade? If you were to move a Devontae Parker, um, you know, just play devil's advocate here, Jake, would that not make you more likely to go after Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase? You know, uh, I use Kyle Pitts' name because I, again, think he's more of a wide receiver, but then you get that big body who, again, you're kind of losing it with a Devontae Parker. Honestly, this trade would be awesome if. Preston Williams could stay healthy. I mean, if Preston Williams was a player that I or some other people believed he could be, can stay healthy and be consistent, I'd I'd feel a lot better moving on from Devontae Parker. But but right now, I just couldn't see it unless, again, they were 100% focused on Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts to fill that void left behind.
2: You know, if Preston Williams played 16 games last year and, you know, continued his trajectory, because he was having an awesome season, I thought him and uh, Tua actually had pretty strong chemistry there uh, from the couple of games they played together before he got hurt in that Arizona game if you played 16 games last year, Josh, I think he might've actually been the wide receiver. They have a easier time moving and maybe trying to get some sort of draft capital, maybe a pick swap, move up a couple of spots, whatever it may be, because uh, Preston Williams, he's entering the last year of his rookie deal. Uh, that's kind of an issue for me. When you try to look into next year where the salary cap isn't going to straight balloon back to where it should be. Uh, having guys on, on cheap deals is going to be really important. And that's where you kind of stick Devante Parker in your back pocket He'll be making another roughly $10 million next season, I believe. Uh, and you have to ask yourself, if you're keeping Williams around, if he has a strong year, do you pay him a big contract? Because this is, would be the offseason you'd need to sign him to a deal, and you can't really do that because he hasn't played 16 games in his two years. So it's a kind of tough deal when you have a three-year rookie deal like Williams has. And and that's just kind of an interesting wrinkle. But, Josh, how about this? Because I, I think we should talk about what Parker's trade value should be. I mean, we're not trading him just to save $4 million. This is a very talented athlete. When he's on the field, he's a difference maker. When he's on the field with another team, or uh, excuse me, another elite wide receiver, another above average wide receiver, you see him you know, really bloom. What would his trade value be? Because what I would maybe think about doing here is looking at that 18th overall pick, Josh, and wondering if you take a wide receiver at six, or Kyle Pitts for the sake of this argument either, you could use Parker and that first-round pick to maybe trade back up into the you know 12 range, something like that. Maybe the Eagles would do that flip of Parker in 18 for 12, and all of a sudden you can get Waddle who fell somehow. I think that'd be a very unique and, and very exciting scenario to see this all play out, where you're not losing that top-tier uh, wide receiver talent because you're drafting two guys.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be wide receiver. I mean, you brought a great point up and something that I truly didn't even you know think of. Maybe it's just I'm just... I mean, my wife always tells me I have a brain the size of a goldfish and my memory, you know, is all over the place. But, um, you know, I didn't even think about that. If the Dolphins, you know, say they drafted their playmaking wide receiver there and said they had their eye on, I don't know, Micah Parsons or whatever, and they wanted to trade up. Or like you said, Jalen Waddle ever falls there. Devontae Parker then becomes a lot more valuable than know what you might get on the open market by just there throwing Devontae Parker to the side. So when you first ask me, you know, what Devontae Parker's trade value is myself, you know, Fair what I or- would value. Yeah, what I would I mean, I was gonna say a second, but that I'm so outdated in what I believe my value is. You know, that was what, ten years ago when with Devontae Parker's skill set brought in second round picks. I mean, so now you might get a third or a fourth out best, but again, if you could package that with that eighteenth pick to move up or you know, maybe they see their running back coming off the board and they move that second and then Devontae Parker back into the first. I mean, that is what you want to see from the Dolphins. I mean, this is year three now of a rebuild. I mean, at this point we can stop making excuses and they have all the ammunition. You know, we see the draft capital. We see him acquiring all this, but like you said at the beginning of this podcast, let's see them do something with it. Let's see them go out there and move up and, you know, have a their say, okay, well this is the linebacker that I think can change his defense. I'm gonna move heaven and earth to get him. This is the playmaking wide receiver. We're gonna move heaven and earth, and they kind of did that. You know, they moved back to twelve, and then they moved back up. I mean, they clearly had their eye on somebody, but this is the year they got to bring someone in. So if you got to move a Devonte Parker again in that loaded draft class, he's making that money. Um, you you do it then. If you have that big of a conviction that the player that you're going after can change his team in a way that, again, Devonte Parker's twenty eight. You know, he's not getting younger. So to to your point, Jake, I mean, I think you just turned me around, complete one eighty, and I think I'd be willing to move Devonte Parker now if it were to move up and you know get a playmaker, whether that be you're double dipping with a waddle or you're getting a Parsons, whoever it might be. I mean, th- that's very interesting. And, you know, uh, that changes my mind a lot with this Devonte Parker rumor.
2: Uh, trading Parker, you'd save $4 million. Like we mentioned, um, that's more than you'd save by cutting either uh, Jakeen Grant or Albert Wilson. They're both saving you about $2.8 Alan Hearns is only saving you about $900,000. None of these guys are the really big movers or shakers that get you under that salary cut. So that, that's kind of why the Parker thing sounds interesting.
1: And none uh, of them have value, is, right? None of them have that, value like Parker. Yeah,
2: exactly. And uh, maybe I think about Parker's timeline being 28. Uh, he's used in mind to get another big contract, 29. Might be actually, now that I say that, might be a little outside of his prime, but I think he has one more shot, maybe on a, a team loaded in cap space in a year, two who just kind of needs to fill it. Uh, but I'm not going too deep into this Parker stuff because, again, this is the first we're hearing about it. Green Bay Packers. For some reason to me, trading uh, Parker to the Packers for Aaron Rodgers, he's probably got a couple years left before they make the switch at quarterback. Uh, they're a team that... Might be willing to give up a third or fourth, uh, and not worry about development and get a playmaker in there now. And I think that third or fourth round pick might be enough to make that transition from 18 to 12 or whatever it may be. So those are just a couple options the Dolphins could go in terms of Devontae Parker. That's a deep dive uh, on a two part, two word part of a big rumor we just heard. So thank you for tuning into that, Josh. Let's take a quick break here. Unless you have any other thoughts, uh, we'll jump into your mock draft.
0: This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito Lay.
1: Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void hip prohibitive. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito And Jake, like you said at the top of the hour, it is Mock Draft Monday, so what we want to do leading up to the NFL draft is each drop a mock draft, kind of critique it, and let our listeners kind of give us their thoughts um, the perfect segue into this is the Miami Dolphins are right now. They are at the University of Miami's Pro Day where they are working out Gregory Rousseau and Jalen Phillips, two of the elite pass rushers in this year's draft, two players that many believe are going to go in the first round, and I did take him in my Pro Football Network mock draft. So let me tell you, Jake, what I did. I had the chance to draft a receiver at six. I did not take that option. Instead, the Detroit Lions offered the seventh overall pick and the 41st overall pick. To move down one spot, so I took that all day. I think they took Jalen Waddle. I then went Devontae Smith, number seven overall. Micah Parsons, the linebacker from Penn State at 18. Jalen Phillips, the edge rusher at 36 from the University of Miami. Javonte Williams, the running back from North Carolina at 41 overall. The center from Wisconsin Whitewater. Quinn Miners at 50. We all remember him. He's the guy that broke his hand at the Senior Bowl and tried to fight Brian Flores to get back in there. And then Amari Rodgers, the wide receiver from Clemson. So, um, you know, I can set up a screen share, Jake, and show you this so you can kind of break it down. But, um, you know, a lot of defense, a lot of offense. And to me, I think, you know, the Dolphins did get the playmakers. To In my opinion, that could truly change this thing around. But like with any of these mock drafts, um i don't know how realistic this whole thing is
2: yeah you have to wonder that lions thing it's a little interesting but yeah go ahead throw the mock draft up and and uh, let's really think about what this would do to the roster here i have a hard time seeing the lions doing that oh and also we'll put this mock draft in in the show notes as well so if people want to take a look at it while uh, we're doing this because it is tough you know to sit here and say all these names and try to figure it all out in your head uh but josh i do like you know even if it's Pick number six. If it's pick number seven, I think Smith makes a lot of sense for the Dolphins. I think we've already talked about that. And you know, we can't just sit here and have recency bias. And it feels like Smith has fallen off the hype train a little bit, and especially on Dolphins Twitter. It's been a lot of chase. It's been a lot of waddle. Uh, I think uh, Daniel Jeremiah actually just released his top 50, and had waddle ahead of Chase. Uh, it was like three and four. It was nothing too too dramatic, but I thought that was interesting. Uh, But Smith does really fit that mold of what the Miami Dolphins need, especially if you're planning on Parker sticking around. If you want to see what Preston Williams can do in his third year in the league, I think Smith, his skill set really matches up well with those guys. And then too, you know, the depth chart is still loaded with, can you see if Albert Wilson is going to be healthy for a year? I actually saw an article, Josh, the other day that was talking about Lynn Bowden being a breakout candidate, and it wasn't even a Dolphin website. It was talking about Lynn Bowden being a fantasy breakout candidate this year. I thought that was pretty incredible. We can't really sleep on him. Uh, they just re-signed Mac Hollins as a little bit of a depth guy, so there are different, you know, hopes with taking Devonta Smith. Uh, we do think that he's going to be in play at six, especially if Chase goes there at five. You wonder if it's a coin flip between Waddle. And uh, Smith, I don't know. I really haven't heard Pitt's blink too much about the Dolphins. Uh, but overall, at six, before we go on to your second first-round pick, uh, Smith seems like something or a player where nobody in Miami would be too upset about it when when that pick goes in and Goodell kind of says over the last week.
1: Yeah, none of us would. And, you know, from day one, it was kind of the, the thought. And most Dolphin fans, as soon as that national championship game happened, everyone was like, you know, we need this guy. And then as the months go and the winds start to change, you know, Everyone's opinion does, but it's slowly starting to come right back to Devontae Smith. So that's where I saw it there. Again, just ignore the trade down, although I did take a running back with the pick, but uh, I had no choice but to trade back that one spot. And then at 18, 18, I mean, this is Micah Parsons. I mean, this is a playmaker that I don't even believe will be available at 18, a game changer that can rush from the outside, can drop back in coverage, can do a little bit of everything. And again, he's that missing piece, at least in my opinion. If you brought him in, you know, you say you got rid of KVN this offseason, you got rid of Shaq Lawson, you know, you have some – some players on your roster that you're going to fill those snap counts with but if you can bring in a guy like Micah Parsons and just use him as that valuable chess piece that he can be that's why I made that pick but again I don't know how realistic it is there at 18.
2: Uh Would he start at like outside linebacker just for the sake of our discussion here he's, he's more of an outside guy he probably wouldn't be playing
1: inside right? Right and I guess I mean as a lot of people compare him to what Isaiah Simmons was a year ago you know this is a guy that can Pretty much do anything, and if a coaching staff puts them in a box, you know that would be a bad mistake. So I really can't tell you where the, the Dolphins would use them. I mean, I think they could use them off the edge, but uh, inside linebacker, or, uh, sorry, outside linebacker definitely seems like the best bet.
2: Uh, would Can you give me who you think would be the starting four linebackers for the You know, obviously, you know, you have your edge guy uh, who's who's on the outside, and sometimes they they won't have their hand in the ground; they might be floating around a little bit. So for the sake of this, Josh, I want to say that there's a uh, the Dolphins are running a three-four. Give me who their starting uh, linebackers would be on opening day.
1: Okay, we're going with a three-four. So I'm going to go with, um, we'll go with Andrew Van Ginkle. We nice. will go with Jerome Baker, Bernardrick McKinney, and then we will have uh, we'll have Michael Parsons if this goes as planned. But you know, I think maybe you just be able to rotate those guys however you want, move them around, and you know just make plays on defense the way Brian Flores was brought in to do.
2: Exactly. And it's going to be interesting because they're going to be able to rotate a lot of guys. I think they did that a lot last year too, but bringing in guys like Alandon Roberts and Vince Beagle. Um, and if you have someone like Andrew Van Genkel, you know, fighting for snaps, that is the, not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, Josh, I think that'd be a great pick at 18. Uh, I don't know how real, realistic it's going to be in the backs of him being there. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with that one, but who knows? For the sake of this, he was there. Uh, great pick josh you're gonna win gm of the year uh 36 tell me a little bit about Jalen phillips
1: yeah Jalen phillips is a guy who like we said in the previous podcast you know he had concussion concerns at ucla but he was that dominant pass rusher and as we saw last year he had 15 and a half total tackles for loss there with the university of miami 45 total tackles and eight sacks so this was a guy who you know he was that pressure off the edge that again we continue to say how the Dolphins need that edge rusher. Again, I'm sitting here saying this after we just talked Micah Parsons, so maybe that wasn't the smartest pick, Jake. But, again, the way I see it is Micah Parsons can be moved around all over that defense and to bring in a guy like Phillips who can also do a lot of those same things, a player who is very young, player that can only get better moving forward. I mean, I, we just saw it on Twitter. I think Bill Belichick and uh, Brian Flores right now, like I said at the beginning of this, you know, they're right there at Miami. They're working out these guys. Why not Jalen Phillips in Miami? I know a lot of uh, Dolphin and Hurricanes fans would be really excited for that pick.
2: That, this one's really interesting, especially after you think about the fact they took Raquan Davis just a year ago, and and he's uh, trending in the right direction. Uh, it seems like the Miami Dolphins are really going for those, I don't want to say high-risk, high-reward, but guys who have incredibly high upside. Uh, Davis is one of those that comes to mind. I think Phillips would be a very interesting pick here. I think the upside is most certainly there. Um, and, you know, the tackles for loss, this is a dude who can— stop the run as well, Josh. So I'm for it. The Dolphins have had a poor run defense. If we're taking two guys and to really stack up on the position, I don't think you can never have enough edge rushers or enough outside linebackers guys who you can really throw all over the defensive line and give opposing offenses a difficult time. And more than anything, little time. So I- I'm here for the pick. Uh, I agree with you that, you know, for the sake of this draft, I'm hundred percent for it. If he was, if you didn't make that lines pick, I think Javante Williams
1: here would have been, you know, just just as
2: good.
1: Yeah, man. I think I was kind of. That's what forced my hand there with that Phillips pick. You know, maybe I would not have made that if I didn't do that trade down. Because, like you said, Javante Williams would have absolutely been the pick here. I think the Dolphins cannot get out of this without Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, or Javante Williams. I love Javante Williams. Twenty years old, bruising running back. I think him with Miles Gaskin—that's the running back tandem the Dolphins need now and for the future.
2: The one thing that kind of scares me, Josh, is I think there's going to be a run on some position. And the fact that Mika Parsons is 18, I wonder if that could happen if there's just a crazy, crazy run on running backs in the first round. You know, what would you do if in the middle of the first round picks, you know, 14 through 16, all of a sudden all three of those running backs are gone? Because it seemed like last year, obviously it was it was later. It was in the second round, but but that dra- that run in running backs comes, and depending on the year, it could be in the first or second round. I think Williams is talented enough where if a team thought he could be the you know last piece in offense, he could go in the first round. Uh, getting him here at 41 is, I think, a, a pretty big home run, especially when a lot of people believe you're going to have to uh, use that 18th overall pick to get someone like Najee Harris. Uh, just overall, I still wish this depth chart had you know, someone who was a little more experienced and could break a little more uh, open on offense, a little bit better than Miles Gaskin. Again, I'm not trying to hate on Gaskin whatsoever. I think he's a very strong running back. He's great to have in your rotation. Uh, Something about just starting a rookie running back, it scares me a little bit. And I'm not talking about in terms of yardage or anything, just kind of, uh, like I mentioned before on this podcast, the uh, not necessarily false starts or penalties, but the little things like the pass blocking and reading defenses and reading how to hit the right holes. So that, those are my only fears. Again, they might wind up being nothing, but I guess those are my thoughts.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you make a great point about, you know, Javante Williams. I mean, hes I keep making a joke. He's not even 21 years old, adding him to that running back room with Miles Gass and Salvin Met. I mean, that is a very, very young unit. Um, you know, so there's definitely some questions there. I, the next pick I made was at 50, and it was Quinn Miners. And again, this is that guy that we talked about on a couple of podcasts, graduated from the same school as Eric Studsville. We continued to hear, you know, that he was that difference maker. I mean, you saw it throughout the practice at the senior bowl. I mean, this guy just played larger than life and, you know, he's, his draft stock starting to skyrocket. So um, I think the Dolphins still have a huge need at center. I think, you know, yeah, Matt Skrull here. Yes, he did some good things there in Baltimore, but he is not the long term answer in Miami. I think that he would be. Um, You know, that right veteran to kind of transition into a guy like Miners. So this isn't a Creed Humphrey that might come in there and start day one. But I do think before the end of the year, a guy like Miners could see his way into that opening, into that starting rotation. And um, again, this is a guy that the Dolphins coaching staff coached at the Senior Bowl, got familiarity with. And you can't tell a story enough, broke his hand and still want to go in there and play football. So checks all the boxes the Miami Dolphins like. And again, fills a position they definitely need on that offensive line.
2: Josh, when I think about uh, taking the center at 50 here, I think about the trade the Colts and the Jets made a few years ago where the Colts acquired a couple second-round picks and the Jets drafted Sam Darnold. The Colts added a Pro Bowl left guard. They added a trending upwards left tackle. And this pick really reminds me of... What the Colts did there, I think these are the rounds, the second, the third round, uh, is when you can really hit those home runs on the offensive line. Obviously, those premier left tackles go in the first round, high in the first round, and then they get traded for four first-round picks, second round, and a third pick. No, it's only Laramie Tunsil? My bad. Uh, but what I see here is the Dolphins really getting someone who, like you said, can go ahead and Compete for that starting job right away, especially at a position that currently, according to ESPN, has Michael Dieter as a starter, Matt Skura as a second stringer. Uh, you'd really like to see a, a top, you know, 50 pick or so go towards that offensive line, specifically at center.
1: Yeah, and again, they might draft Sewell at, at six, and you know, then I don't know what that would mean for the, the center position. You know, then then you're double dipping. You know, you're taking two offensive linemen high. The last pick in my mock draft, Jake, before we wrap things up. Um, And, you know, it's another one of those luxury picks. You know, we sat here and talked about how I took Parsons and Phillips. You know, they both can bring that heat off the edge. Now we're taking two playmakers, and we took Devontae Smith, a guy who, you know, can stretch the field. Amari Rogers, the, the receiver from Clemson, I mean, he's very similar in that. We saw him at the senior bowl. I mean, this is a guy that can run every route, can make players miss. And, you know, we continue to hear that important creating separation is you know we're sitting here you looking into the next gen stats breaking it down by inches and hairs but um amari Rodgers can do all that yes you'd be adding another wide receiver to this loaded room but um again i think the cream will rise as some people have said and to sit here and have 13 14 guys battle it out and, you know, truly see and bring their best football to compete. I mean, that is what this Brian Flores coach football team is all about. So, again, maybe not a pick that the Dolphins necessarily needed, but he's a playmaker at a position that, again, the Dolphins are still trying to figure out. So that's why I went that route. And, again, I think they, everyone sit here and nitpick, and we can sit here and say Parsons isn't going to last till 18, Phillips isn't going to last to 36, Williams to 41. I mean, that's just what these mock draft simulators are. There's plenty of discrepancies and little things here and there, but, overall, I think this at least covered a lot of the Dolphins' needs, and I think the team would be a hell of a lot better off.
2: Yeah, and it's important to keep in mind that none of these predictions seem to ever go the right way. There's always going to be things uh, in the forecast that we didn't expect. That's just kind of how the NFL draft goes, and that's what makes it so exciting. Uh, If these mock drafts are ever actually right, uh, all of a sudden the draft wouldn't be nearly as fun. Uh, so, So it's important to keep that in mind, too. That's what makes doing this these exercises so fun is the unknown of, hey, maybe it might happen, but who knows, probably not. Josh, I really like the Rodgers pick just for the sake of uh, the Dolphins don't have long-term answers at wide receiver. We mentioned it. Preston Williams, a one-year deal. Devontae Parker's got two years left. Jakeem Grant, I think, is on the last year. Wilson, last year. Alan Hearns, last year. Matt Collins, he's on his last year. Uh, any of these guys who really don't have a solidified spot for the future uh, really need to step up or really need to show some some pretty big flashes in order to, like you said, rise to the top. I think adding another wide receiver there who will trend in the right direction you know, a year or two down the road uh, could be really interesting. I think Rodgers is someone else who you can have returning kicks, and that opens up the opportunity if you're – hurting that much for money you can look at jakeen grant and the 2.8 million you would save by cutting him uh, that suddenly becomes an option you save about probably 2 million on the overall cap after paying Rodgers. that's probably minimal at this point thinking of in those lines but it could be something the dolphins do who knows chris greer likes to think he is one stop ahead of us three two one chris greer likes to think he is one step ahead and most of the time he usually is but josh I think this was pretty fun. I think we we're learning a lot each and every week leading up to the draft, which is still about a month away. Uh, but these quotes from Peter King and Albert Breer really put into perspective why the trade was made now while there was still a month uh, to go before the draft. It was a very unique three-team deal. And uh, I have a seeking suspicion that there are going to be more moves on the horizon for the Miami Dolphins to just kind of their uh, – way of working here, uh, Blake, but if you enjoy the show, you want to go through the off season with us, hit that subscribe button to know exactly when a new show is going to arrive in your feed, whether you listen to us on iTunes, on Spotify, wherever it may be, you can find us there. Leave a review. That stuff helps us out a lot too. And we greatly appreciate it. Josh, you can be found on Twitter at H-O-U-T-Z. I am at GMMetal94. Most importantly, give Josh that follow because his Photoshop's continue to be out of this world. I always find myself laughing. Uh, you have anything to say before we uh, close the books on another episode of Insider Radio?
1: I don't. Just be safe up there, Jake. I know the wind's coming for you. So be safe. And everyone, you know, thanks for listening to this. I'm going to hopefully release a couple of Kyle Pitts videos over the next few days. But uh, like Jake said, follow us on Twitter. If you like what you're listening to, leave us those reviews. We continue to see them coming in. And we love the support. If you ever have any questions for us, feel free to reach out. Um, as always, you know, for the Jake and Josh show, I'm Josh Houts, Jake Mendel. We'll talk to you guys next time. What's up? That What's up, baby? Radio, part
0: of the FitSider.com and the SB Nation Network.
1: Miami has the
0: Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami dog